like for you to turn your Bibles, Romans chapter 14. I'll be there in just a moment. I want to talk about uh, the resurrection. Uh, we talked about the betrayal. Uh, then last week we talked about the cross. This week is the resurrection. Romans chapter 14, verse 9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. He is Lord of all, is he not? Now, when we read that, to us believers, Christ's death, burial, resurrection is a no-brainer. We believe in the facts, rather, it's the empty tomb, the history, and on and on. There's many, many reasons why we believe in the resurrection, but the main reason we believe in it is because God's word said he is risen. And we trust God's word above man's word. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I'm grateful that there's so many uh, uh, infallible proofs that prove that Christ is alive today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present. But if you don't believe me, go talk to him yourself. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Christ came back and revealed himself to the apostle Paul. And Paul said, I've seen him. I know he's alive. And so we believe with all of our hearts, it's a no-brainer. Jesus Christ is alive. The question comes, did he raise himself Or did God raise him? Well, just remember that Jesus Christ is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So Jesus Christ is the God-man. He's divine, but also he's human. We understand as we study the Bible, there's only one God, one divine nature. However, that one God exists in three persons. We call that the Trinity, uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 2 says this, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, 1, through the sanctification of the Spirit, 2, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's three, right? There's the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. And then he states in 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, who's the Word? Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And these three are what? They are one. Now, most people, they agree that the Father is God. But also the Holy Spirit is God himself. It states this in Acts 5, verse 3 and 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to who? The Holy Ghost. Now remember that. And to keep back part of the price of of the land. 
whilst it remained. Is that okay? But thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? So the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but also the Son is God. Now, John 20, men, okay? Verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. It states in Hebrews 1.8, he says this, But unto the Son, he, the Father, saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Father calls the Son God. So, there is one God existing in three persons. There only one, yet each in each distinct individuals, and they're all equally God. It states this in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened. And to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting up on him, the Spirit and the Son there. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we see the Holy Spirit, we see the Son, and we see the Father. Now you might say to me this morning, Wait a minute, Pastor, that's kind of hard to grasp. And I say, Welcome to faith in the Word of God. Amen? Welcome to faith in the word of God. The Bible states, by faith, we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Even when you study the Bible, in the beginning, God. And the Hebrew word there is plural because it's referring to the Godhead at that time. Now, you yourself, when you go look in the mirror, how many people do you see? Now, I don't mean, you know... I see three or four people when I look in the mirror, but, I mean, you see one person, don't you? That's all you see, one person. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 states this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body. We were created in the image of God. He's three in one, and we are three in one. Amen? So there is one God in three persons, but out of the Godhead, only Jesus Christ has two natures. He has a divine nature, and he has a human nature. He is the God-man. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Humanly, Jesus Christ, he would eat, he would sleep, he got tired, he would suffer. On his divine side, he forgave sin. He healed, he walked on water, and he raised the dead. Jesus Christ is the great I am that Moses met at Mount Sinai, by the way. And by the way, how many are hot in here beside me? It is warm in here. Somebody needs to do something about that. I'm going to start preaching on hell. So I... <laughs> so understand, when Jesus died, his physical body died. 
but his divineness, his godness remained alive. God cannot die. He is eternal. And by the way, your soul, when you were birthed, now lives forever. Amen? So his body, his physical body died. He was three days in the grave. Matthew 27 states this. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, and Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. There we see Jesus Christ was buried. Okay? Matter of fact, I've been to Israel. I've seen that tomb right there, right by, right by Galgotha, uh, the garden tomb there, they call it. Then his spirit, his body's in the grave, then his spirit went back to heaven. It states this, in Luke 23, 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So his spirit went back to heaven. But then his soul, his soul went to the heart of the earth. Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said unto him, the thief who believed, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me, where? In paradise. Where was paradise then? Matthew 12, verse 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So at that time, paradise was in the heart of the earth. It was at his resurrection that his spirit and soul re-entered his resurrected, glorified body. Amen? Well, I'm grateful for that. Now the question comes, could not Jesus Christ, since he's God, have raised his own body? And the answer is absolutely. Acts chapter 5, verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. God raised him up. The Father raised him up, Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he, the Father, raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So the Father raised him. The Holy Spirit raised him. Romans 8, 11 says this, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. You see that? The spirit of God raised up Christ. But then the son also raised himself up. John 2, 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple and building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. So here you have the entire Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that raised up Jesus Christ. There's no problem for God to raise up Christ. He's alive. <laughs> It was an easy task for God. God said, whoop, and he's alive, amen? That's how great God is. Somebody asked this question, what did Christ so do for three days in the heart of the earth? His spirit went to heaven, his body's in the grave, his soul went to the heart of the earth. Well, remember, the thief next to him believed. Luke 23, verse 43 and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The Bible states that Jesus' soul went to hell. And when you say hell, you think of torment and everything. But at that time, that was not the case. Hell was just the heart of the earth. He went to the paradise compartment. You remember Lazarus and the rich man? They both died. Their souls went down to hell, to the heart of the earth. But Lazarus was in the paradise compartment. And there was a gulf fixed between them, and the rich man was in the torment side. So at that time, hell was two compartments. One torment, one paradise. Jesus went to the paradise compartment. Psalm 16, verse 10 says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He wasn't burnt. <laughs> he wasn't tormented. He was on paradise side with Abraham and the believers prior. Let me say something to you. There's a real move in Christianity that is teaching heresy. They come along and they say this, that Jesus Christ had to suffer in hell at the hands of of the demonic forces. They say it was Jesus' suffering in hell that paid for man's sins. Even while he was in hell, he took on the nature of Satan and became a demonic creature. And in hell, as a demonic creature, he was born again in hell. They say man could have done this because man is a reborn man. Fred Price said this, Do you think the punishment for our sin was to die on the cross? If that were the case, the two thieves could have paid our price. No, he says, he had to suffer in hell. And I say to you, that is downright heresy. Heresy, heresy. Too many people are following it, though. And my answer to them is they are denying the sufficiency of the cross. They are denying the cross's final payment for our sin when he said it is finished. Jesus' physical death, his shed blood, was enough to take away all of our sins. That's why there was no need for hell. Amen? 
And by the way, I wrote this down. I thought it was interesting. Christ's sacrifice was to who? Was it to the Father? Of course it was. He satisfied the Father's justice by paying the ransom, the price that was required for mankind's sin. He did, was not sacrificed to Satan in hell, but sacrificed to the Father. Amen? Matter of fact, Paul warns about this heresy by false teachers. He said this in Philippians 3.18. I started to say 13, then I remember they don't have 13 chapters in Philippians, do they? For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They're enemies of the cross if they say the cross is not enough, is not sufficient to wash away all your sins. Amen? Amen. If you were saved, you would say amen louder. So I've got my job to do this morning, okay? Some of these false teachers that teach us or people like Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Joyce Meyer, Kenneth Hagin Jr., Kenneth Copeland, Bill Johnson of Bethel, Carrie Job, all teach that Christ suffered in hell to pay for our sins. I said, no, and you're going to suffer in hell if that's what you're trusting. You have to trust alone in the gospel of grace alone. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. It's enough what Christ did. Paul says this, Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be, what? Accursed. And talking about being suffering by the devil, I wrote this down. Does the devil even have access to hell? You know, when you're lost, you always think the devil's in hell, don't you? And you got a pitchfork, and he comes out every now and then, <laughs> right? You know, I don't even believe the devil wants to be there. Hello? He doesn't have access to it. He doesn't want to be there because he knows himself, his future. One day he's going to be locked up. He's going to be chained for eternity in hell. He doesn't want to go there prior to his time, that's for sure. Hell is not his domain. Not today. He's the God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. Not hell. So for us, Romans 5, 8, 9 says this, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified, how? By his blood, not his going to hell and suffering more in hell. When he shed his blood on the cross, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 1 Corinthians 1, 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it, the cross, is the power of God. Thank God for the cross. That's why he said in Galatians 6, 14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says it's what he did on that cross for us 
That's enough to save you. Amen? We know that after Christ's resurrection, some things change. 2 Corinthians 12, 2, and I'm coming down the stretch now. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one was caught up to the third heaven. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. That's why you can't believe people who say they've been to heaven and back. You forgive me, but that's just a fact. Paul says you can't even talk about it. But notice he says there, he was called up, wait a minute. Christ went to the heart of the earth, paradise. Now paradise has been transferred after the resurrection of Christ. Now it's in the third heaven. That's why when a loved one dies, we can say to them, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident and say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Where is the Lord? The Lord's in heaven. That's where paradise is. And that's where we go when we die as believers. Amen? Now, Romans 4, 25 says this, who was delivered Christ for our offenses on the cross, and was raised again for our justification. The father said, son, I accept your sacrifice as the final one payment for all time. And he rose, rises from the grave. The fact that he rose shows the father accepted his sacrifice. Amen. And now we who believe in the gospel, we are justified or we have a right standing before God now. Because we're one of God's children. Hello? Now, if I'm not saved, I'm not one of God's children. But when I get saved, I'm justified. Christ gives me his righteousness, and I'm accepted in the beloved. Thank God for his grace. Amen? And Christ's resurrection shows a couple of things. Death is not the end. Thank God it's not the end. I thought about that. You know, the older you get, you think about things like that. I said, Lord, I wonder what Carol's going to have to face. I, I'm kidding her. But I, I wonder, I just, just think if there were no hope, and when you close your eyes, lights out, you never know anything from then on. It's all black. Wouldn't that be horrible? That's contrary to your soul being eternal or being, uh, what, living forever. In order for somebody to show this, the person would have to die, go to the afterworld, come back, and tell about it so that we can know it. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He died, he was buried, he went to the heart of the earth, he went up to heaven's glory, and he came back just for us. Revelation 1.18 says this, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. The resurrection also shows death will, re will reveal which religions that are false and the one true one. And I can just tell you right now, 
He tells us in John 14, 6, He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. And by the way, He's the only one who rose from the grave in a glorified body alive, and all those who started those other movements of those people, they're still dead, and only Jesus is alive. And then death will show that only Jesus Christ, he's the only one capable enough to save us. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. He's able not only to start you, but to finish you. He's the author, he's the finisher. He's the, what, alpha, the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So salvation, he's the only one capable of doing that. His sacrifice was the only sacrifice that was capable once for all to be able to take away all of our sins. Colossians 2.13 you know it well. Just the middle of the verse. Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And then he rose from the grave, showing he has conquered death. So when we come to you this morning, as the song says, we've come to tell you he's alive. We've come to tell you there's an answer for your sin because there was an answer for our sin, and we put our faith in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that that's enough to save us. I did that at the age of 24. Greatest decision I've ever made in my life. 1 Corinthians 15, once again, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. As the old song says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Or then the song, face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me, face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. Why shall I see him? He's alive. And today, this message should do, it should change your life to want to believe it. You know, I, I think of Christians. I think of the, the disciples. You have to remember, at the time of Christ's crucifixion, and he hung on the cross, and they, bar- they went, and they stayed behind closed doors. They were scared to death. They were faith, uh, fearful. They were worried about the soldiers coming for them. And then all of a sudden you see them bold, courageous, unashamed, standing up for Christ. What made the difference? They saw a living Christ. Now today we see a living Christ by faith. Faith in what God has said in his word. And if you have not put your faith 
in the finished work of Christ alone, you need to do that today. It's the only thing that can save you. And when he saves you, he forgives you of all your sin you've ever done or ever will do. It's all under the blood. And he went to that cross because he loves you. He didn't have to come, but he loves us. And he rose again the third day. So I say to you today, it's not joining a church. It's not giving your money. It's not living the Ten Commandments. It's none of those things. It's today by faith. I believe not just an intellectual knowledge, but a heartfelt knowledge. This is for me. I'm believing for me, for my sin, that Jesus Christ is God's son who died for my sins and rose again. And I'm believing in my heart today that's enough to save me. God, I believe. I believe. And when you do that, it's at that moment God saves you for all eternity and you become a true child of God. Let's bow our heads and our hearts. And you're right here this morning. We don't know everybody. But God, the Holy Spirit, has tugged at your heart and you've acknowledged you need Christ. You need that for you. Just tell God right where you are right now. Just tell him, God, I know I'm a sinner. But God, I believe in your son and what he did on the cross in the empty tomb. God, I believe. Just tell him right now. God, I believe with your whole heart. That's for me. And if you believe that, I say welcome to the family of God because God promises us he will save us if we believe that gospel. Father, I thank you for this resurrection day, whatever you want to call it. We know 365 days a year Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ saves and God, by simple faith of telling you from our hearts, God, it was for me. I believe it. And when we do that, we become your child. For those who just did that, I just pray you wrap your arms around them now. Love them, encourage them, help them to get into the word. May they start coming so they can fellowship with other people who have done the exactly same thing that they just did this morning. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.